This morning we're reading from 2 Chronicles, especially chapter 34, verses 14 to 19. While they were bringing out the money that had been taken into the temple of the Lord, Hilkiah, the priest, found the book of the law of the Lord that had been given through Moses. Hilkiah said to Stephan, the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. He gave it to Shaphan. Then Shaphan took the book of the king and reported to him, Your officials are doing everything that has been committed to them. They have paid out the money that was given in the temple of the Lord and have entrusted it to the supervisors and the workers. Then Shaphan the secretary informed the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book, and Shaphan read from it in the presence of the king. When the king heard the words of the law, he tore his robes. The word of the Lord. Thanks, David. Artificial intelligence, AI. <laughs> I agree with you. <laughs> Feels like you can't turn around these days without bumping into it or hearing about it, right? I, you can't open an email, listen to a podcast, and evidently you can't even come to church without somebody talking about it. I recently received an email telling me how AI could make my life easier as a pastor and free me up a bit to do real ministry, that's the term they used, real ministry with people, by letting AI write my sermons. Wow. Yeah, I'm, th I'm glad you're all groaning. I, I don't know how the Holy Spirit might feel about inspiring technology rather than a human pastor. Uh, some days it might be easier, right? Right? Um, but... I don't know, it feels a little bit to me like just kind of putting the pulpit on autopilot and walking away. Yikes, a little bit like maybe this will be us in five years. You guys will be sitting here and you'll say, I agree, that was a near perfect sermon, but don't you think it lacks soul? <laughs> Yikes, yeah. The story that we are entering into this morning uh, reveals a time in Israel's history when things were pretty dark. Realize when I'm talking about Israel, we're not talking about uh, today's Israel, a nation in the Middle East, okay? We're talking, when I talk about Israel, we're talking about the Old Testament and the people who were known as, as God's people, a people that God chose to be light in a place of darkness, to share and shed his light in the world but their own lives had turned dark. They were uh, in so many ways on autopilot. Their priesthood was anemic. The rituals were all still present. They were going through the motions, but it was uninformed. Their faith was uninformed, and the reason it was uninformed, they had lost the scriptures. They had so neglected God's word that, now remember, it's not everybody, in everybody's pocket back in that day, right? They had the scroll. They had one set. They had the law of the covenant, the law of the Lord. And it had become so neglected, they misplaced it. They didn't even know where it was. 
Today we know, uh, if, you, if this is new language to you and you're not sure what the law of the Lord was or is, it's the first five books of the Old Testament that we have in our Bibles today, and that is what they had misplaced. To help you place this story in history, it happens about 300 years post-Exodus, out of Egypt, post-Moses actually meeting face-to-face with God to receive the book of the law, the covenant uh, with God, and about, uh, yeah, 300 years past that time. Within the pages of this law of the covenant were instructions to God's people on how to live in order to flourish. That's really what it was all about. Okay, community, here's, here's what you need. Here's how you need to live, to flourish with me and to flourish with each other. As the law was neglected and lost over time, Israel veered more and more off course from a place of, thir- of flourishing and thriving with God. Prior to the New Testament, God communicated to his people primarily through prophets and priests and kings. They had distinct roles. Here's just kind of to remind you a little bit. There were, think of the prophets. They were people like Samuel and Deborah, Nathan and Isaiah. Their job, their role was to listen to God and to then call the people to live accordingly. Then the king, ideally, would listen to the prophets and lead people in the ways of God. He would would make sure that Israel was safe and walking in partnership with God. The priests led the people in worship and they uh, interceded for them in repentance. That's primarily how the community heard from God, prophets, the king, and priests. Second Chronicles, this Old Testament book that we're kind of peeking into this morning, kind of outlines all of the leadership during a long season. It writes about all the good and the bad leaders of Israel, good and bad kings, prophets, and priests. To help you know a little bit more, too, about the placement of this story, in the book of, of Chronicles, it, uh, there were kings from, clear from King David, who was Israel's second king, and a man after God's own heart, clear to Josiah, who we're looking at this morning, there were 16 kings during that time. And it was a real mixture of really good kings who led the people to God and and leaders who led them astray. This morning, um, we're talking about Josiah, and right before Josiah was his dad, King Amon. And King Amon was just not a good king. He wasn't even a good guy, okay? Sometimes you can have a, a, somebody who's maybe not a good leader, but they're a good guy, you know, or a good uh, woman. This guy was neither. I mean, he just wasn't a good king or a good person. He ignored the scripture had no desire to find out what it said. He persecuted the prophets, tried to get rid of them from the land, and he bullied and controlled the priesthood. So not only did he worship King Amon, king of Israel and Judah, not only did he worship other gods, he brought those idols into the temple 
and their priests right along with them. So our friend King Amen, well, he's not really our friend, he uh, was assassinated by an enemy. And in his place, a very young boy, eight years old, Josiah became king. And as Josiah grew up and he uh, turned into a teenager, he does something different. What? A teenager doing something different? <laughs> Sometimes it's a good thing when teenagers don't follow in the paths of their, their parents, and he does not. So I would encourage us to take that message today just to remind ourselves, don't discount our youth. Okay, don't discount, don't diss the next generation because God is always looking and finding the voice of every generation that will have a responsive heart and speak for him. So we're gonna walk through a chunk of 2 Chronicles chapter 34 this morning. So I encourage you, we don't do this a lot, but we're gonna really read a lot of scripture this morning. So open that up, keep it open, your hard copy Bibles or your Bible apps, the 2 Chronicles chapter 34. Start, let's start with verse four. It says, in the eighth year of his reign, talking about Josiah, while he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father, David. So he became king at eight, and then eight years into his reign, so at sweet 16, he began to personally really seek God's presence. And as a result of that, in the next few years, he had all the false prophets and all the idols removed from the land. 10 years later, at age 26, he decides, okay, it is now time to renovate the temple. And he begins to break down and remove all the idols and kick out all the false prophets and priests that worshiped those idols. Um, he sends, as you heard read this morning, his secretary, Shaphan, to the temple to retrieve funds from the treasury to support and pay for the remodel that they were going through. So, Mike, there truly is nothing new under the sun. <laughs> 3,000 years later, and we're still remodeling, right? <laughs> At least we can say it's biblical, you guys, right? <laughs> okay. At the temple... Hilkiah, who is the, the priest in charge, uh, and I'm going to remind you that for 57 years, the people had had no instruction for the scriptures. That's how decades, almost six decades it's been missing. But Hilkiah is there. And uh, as a people, they were functioning on autopilot, like I said, going through the motions of their faith without encountering the living, active word of God. So you can imagine how anemic their faith became. I want to remind us what Hebrews 4.12 says of God's word, from whether any part of God's word. For the word of the Lord, or the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. And Israel had not made themselves available to that word for a very long time. Now, Josiah had kind of a cultural knowledge of God. He was aware of God's existence. And something in this young man began to just, just long to know more of God. I think it was, you know, it was in his culture. It was kind of the culture 
Almost like America, one time we could say it was what we swim in. We swim in kind of a Christian culture, okay? So even people who don't go to church or read the Bible, they knew something. That's kind of the way it was at this time. So Josiah knows something, and my guess is there were people in Josiah's life, unnamed people. If you feel like an unnamed person, don't worry about it. Doesn't matter, you have great impact. My guess is unnamed people in Josiah's life are the ones who nurtured that faith and that desire to know God. So during renovations of the temple, something important happens. You've heard it read. Let's reread that piece again, 14 and 15. While they were bringing out the money that had been taken into the temple of the Lord, Hilkiah the priest found the book of the law of the Lord that had been given through Moses. Hilkiah said to Shaphan the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. And he gave it to Shaphan. So, so here's, uh, uh, here's Shaphan you know, going to get, retrieve money to fix what was wrong at the temple. And they find something that can truly fix what's wrong at the temple and in the land. Thankfully, Hilkiah recognized it for what it was. He knew, oh my word, here's the lost word of the Lord. And he knew that Josiah worshiped God, so he said, take this, you know, take this to the king. It wasn't money that would fix the foundational problems that existed, and there's a whole sermon right there, isn't there? Uh, but we're not going there today, but just notch it, you know, just go, yep, you know, it's never money that's gonna fix what's wrong in the land, God is about to turn, to return Israel's focus to their covenant and mission, starting with the open-hearted, responsive hearts of their very young king. Shaphan goes and he gives the the king an update on what is happening at the temple, and I think it's kind of funny because he just starts off by saying, okay, you know, King Josiah, everything is going really well with the remodel. Everybody's doing their work exactly like they're supposed to. And, and here's the, you know, the treasury money for it. And then almost uh, as an afterthought, he says, look at verse 18 and 19, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. <laughs> it's kind of like burying the lead. I think that's what journalists would call it. Hey, you buried the lead here. The sh- and Shapin read from it in the presence of the king. And when the king heard the words of the Lord, he tore his robes. Other translations capture it a little bit better, I think, by saying he tore his robes in despair. So what we see in that moment is an outward sign of what's going on inside the heart of this young king. He hears the word of the Lord read for the first time in his life. And we see several things are going on. We see a sign of understanding. Josiah comprehends the situation they have gotten themselves in, and he knows it's tragic. It's a sign of lament. He's undone. He's grieving. He's repenting. He's torn apart by this grief. He's repentant for his own people. And it's also a sign of humility. He declares out loud, we are in the wrong before God. There's no clinging here to pride, national self-pride, family pride. He says, "Uh uh-oh, we are in the wrong. 
Look at verse 21. Josiah then tells Shaphan, go and inquire of the Lord for me and for the remnant in Israel and Judah about what is written in this book that's been found. Great is the Lord's anger that is poured out on us because those who have, not, who have gone before us have not kept the word of the Lord. They have not acted in accordance with all that is written in the book. Just like that song we sang earlier, Josiah wants to hear from God. He wants more and more of God. He's, he's heard this first word. His, uh, his grief is real. It's, he's, he gets the picture, but he doesn't stop there. He wants more of God. So he says, go. He says to his leaders, go hear more from God. He doesn't backpedal. I appreciate this. I think many other Israel kings backpedaled when, when prophets came along and tried to get them to repent. They were, oh, no, 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 no. We're fine. We're, we're not that bad. You know, we're doing okay. And further away and further away they went. Josiah says, nope. We need to repent. He sets things in motion. He says to his leadership circle, go to God. And they begin to function as God intended the community to function. Listen to this. Josiah the king sends Hilkiah the priest to see if he can find a prophet who can still speak for God after all this time. And in Josiah's wisdom, he knew he needed a prophet and he needed a priest to discern what God was saying. He couldn't do it all on his own. Then he could lead the people to God. What I want us to hear this morning is a, a message from Genesis through Revelation, and that is that God never allows one person the full picture. The people of the Old Testament needed each other and the roles they all played to hear clearly from God. It is not any different today. We still need one another to fully hear God's direction for our time as well. We don't always like that. We like to be independent. I wanna just hear from God. I don't necessarily need a bunch of other people in my life to do that because that slows me down, for one thing. I, I have to then sit, my, our staff knows that I, meetings are not my favorite things. <laughs> but I have come to appreciate them more and more because it is often in those meetings that I hear the fuller counsel of the body, right? And I don't veer off and go in some other direction because I have the balance of voices around me. When God grants the gift of repentance, and my friends, it really is a gift. When God grants that gift, we can follow Josiah, and I'd say this is point one, go ahead, feel all the feels of repentance. The anger, the grief, the fear, and then run to the God who is real. Run to the one you know to be real. It's what we see Josiah do. I think today sometimes we get so far off track because our culture is so distracting and there's just so many fun, pretty things in, that distract us all the time. 
we can get far off track, and then when we realize it, we get paralyzed. We're not sure quite how to get back on track. Or even worse than that, we talk our way out of repentance, afraid of what it might cost us. It might, if I were to really repent, I might lose the respect of my colleagues. I might make a group of people angry. Life may have to change. And we backpedal. But Josiah, we see, feels the feels of repentance. It's hearts convicted, and then he immediately, I'm gonna say this, this is important too. I think sometimes we say, oh, I'll deal with that later. We feel convicted about something. I'll deal with that later, I'll deal with that later. He's repentant in the moment, and he takes an immediate step of action. He wants to hear from God. He tells other people, okay, this is what the problem is, so it's not his little secret anymore. It's out here. I recognize it. Here's, help me. We've got to have help. Now, here's what I want you to hear or be reminded of. The awesome thing about all of these Old Testament stories, and right, that's kind of a, it's a circle. It just happens and happens in the life of Israel. They repent and they follow God and they are on the right track and then they go, no, now they're not paying attention to the Lord or the word and they sin and they don't repent and they circle back, okay? Here's the cool thing. Every time there is repentance and a seeking after God, people are brought back to a place of hope and healing. Every time. Often, sometimes they don't even know it, there are people on the brink of destruction, there are people on the brink of despair, and one responsive heart begins to turn everything around. And God steps in and brings them back to a place of hope and healing. It isn't national pride, it isn't self-pride, or family generation pride that returns Israel to peace. It is a return to God that restores them. Listen to verse 22. Hilkiah and those the king had sent with him went to speak to the prophet Huldah, who was the wife of Shalom, son of Tokoth, son of Hasra, keeper of the wardrobe. I think that's kind of a cool title, speaker, keeper of the wardrobe. <laughs> Sounds like Lord of the Rings or something, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> or no, uh, uh, Narnia, thank you. Yeah, Narnia, <laughs> the wardrobe. <laughs> she lived in Jerusalem in the new quarter. Remember the prophet's job? It's the prophet's job to hear the voice of God and call people to obedience to pronounce blessing or warn of consequences to come. Uh, we're gonna see that Holda's gonna do that. She's gonna do both of those things. Maybe you don't know the history of uh, the Old Testament or, even, or the New. I want you to know that women prophets were not a new idea for Israel. Miriam, uh, the sister of Aaron and Moses, was the first woman prophet mentioned in the Old Testament, but she's not the last. There was Deborah, who for 40 years was both judge and prophet in the land of Israel, and she led Israel to a time of peace. I love the story that in the New Testament, the prophet Anna was the one who offered blessing 
to the Messiah, to Jesus at uh, the dedication in Luke 2. Hulda lived with her family right there in the city. So what we see, what's important to note from that is the previous king, King Amon, had done his best to rid the land of prophets. He wanted to purge all the prophets and the priests who followed God. But here's what we need to know, that God prepared and sustained a faithful prophet ready to serve, and she did. Point two, God is always preparing and sustaining those who will get his word to those who desire him. Look at verse 23, 24. She said to them, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, tell the man who sent you to me, this is what the Lord says. I'm going to bring disaster on this place and its people, all the curses written about in the book that has been read in the presence of the king of Judah interesting this is kind of code language a little bit when she says tell the man who sent you she knows that he's king of the land but she uses this phrase i believe to give him a to let him know she's a true prophet in other words i don't fear your position okay i'm not going to tell you what you want to hear you can trust that what i'm going to tell you is from God, because there were many prophets in the land who had bowed their knee to human authority, but she had not. Other prophets had not. They would speak for God, even if it cost them their life, which at times it did. Hilkiah the priest circled up with hold of the prophet, and they were able to take the word back to King Josiah. We are made to hear from God in community. That was true in the Old Testament, and it is still true for us today as the body of Christ. When Josiah sought the Lord, when he received God's word and repented, he immediately asked for help. Hilkiah and Huldah then stepped up to the plate. They were ready. I love that. Even though things were dark, uh, church, let's stay ready. We don't know the moment when we're going to be needed to step up to the plate and be part of the circle that it's going to turn things around. They brought clarity and truth to this young king. I don't know about you, but there are times in my life that faith can feel like it has gone on autopilot. I'm going through the motions, and, um, and I, like I mentioned, prefer to function independently at the same time. Usually those two things, I think, go hand in hand. We begin, yeah, we are functioning independently, and then we no longer, uh, you know, are active and alive and listening to the people around us. But the truth is that we all have to grapple with is that I cannot fully know God without the body of Christ. I am created, we are created to need each other fully to live this life of faith. Last week, Pastor Jess, who oversees our prayer ministry and another, a number of other things on our staff, sent our prayer team, I think there's about 65 people on this team, who, I love this, just receive those messages and every week just pray for the prayer needs of our community. 
so thankful for that. And just always, not always, but maybe it's a, a kind of a, a, a pattern. Every month or so, she'll send out something a little extra. And I looked at this resource she sent. It's called the Prayer Course Tool Shed. And we've put the, we're going to put the link up there for you. It's such a one, I opened it. I took the time and, you know, if Jess is going to take the time to say something, I am going to open it. And I'm going to see what it was. It's such a great resource. I want you to have availability to it as well. What Jess was doing in that moment was acting like a priest in my life and the life of our prayer team. She is pointing us to God. So let's keep going in the Old Testament story. Verse 26, 27, Huldah is still speaking. And then she switches the phrase and she says, tell the king of Judah who sent you to inquire of the Lord that this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says concerning the words that you've heard. Because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before God when you heard what he spoke against this place and its people and because you humbled yourself before me and tore your robes and wept in my presence, I have heard you, declares the Lord. He will go on. You can read, maybe go home and read the whole chapter this afternoon. It'd be great because he's saying, because Josiah has done this, blessings are going to come. During the time of Josiah's leadership, Israel experienced peace and shalom. Hilkiah and Huldah brought Josiah's God's message for his time. And I believe God always sends a message to every time in history. I believe God has a message for us, New Hope. Let me ask you something. Do you believe that God's capable of speaking through anyone? Yes. Notice in this story, we have a teenager turned 20-something, okay? We have a woman prophet, and we have an old priest with very little power. But when those three circled up, hearts responsive to God, Israel heard from God. God can speak through anyone that God chooses, but it always begins with a responsive heart. And it began in this story with the responsive heart of Josiah. So church, I would encourage us in one of the prayers that we consistently pray for responsive hearts in our church. That we consistently pray for responsive hearts in our leadership, both of the local church and the church around our country and around the globe that we would have a responsive heart that God could use to turn things around for a world that really needs to be turned around. Knowledge, of course, is necessary. Josiah needed to know what the word said. He needed to be informed of how he could lead the people back to God. But knowledge without a responsive heart is never going to change a life. A friend recently asked the question, and it convicted me. It is, I'm chewing over it. I'm gonna, so guess what? You get to chew over it, too. I'm going to just tell you what he asked. 
He said, I don't like to chew alone, so come on, people. He asked the question, do we really want change when we confess or to simply receive comfort over our consistent failures? Wow. Now, are we looking today, are we just looking for comfort? Oh, I blew it again. Come on. You know, Lord, would you just comfort my heart? I'm sorry. And we just keep going. Don't get me wrong. I am deeply grateful for God's comfort. I'm deeply grateful for God's mercy and forgiveness when I come with a repentant heart. But we need to wrestle a little bit. Because repentance is not only acknowledging I'm going in the wrong direction, it's turning around and going in a different direction. We still stumble on the journey, so don't give up, okay? If you turn around and you start walking with Jesus, you're still gonna stumble at times, but that's when you cry out for help to God and help from other people Say, I'm stumbling, help me with my walk. We can confess of wrongdoing without repenting of it. Does that make sense? We can say, you know, God, I I confess. It's not a good thing. I know it's a wrong thing to cheat on my taxes or to delve into pornography on a weekly basis or whatever. Whatever our sin is that we, I know that's wrong. So that's that's confessing. But repenting is saying, I'm leaving that behind with God's help and the help of others. I'm gonna turn and I'm gonna walk in a different direction. Repentance is what we need. Responsive hearts and where it all begins. God heard, God saw King Josiah And he saw him because he was repentant and responsive, the scripture says. And in it, what did it bring? Did it bring God's condemnation? No. It brought God's mercy and grace back into a community that was on the brink of imploding. This small team, this small circle of three, prophet, king, and priest, circled up. And in doing so, They saved Israel's bacon. Not necessarily a kosher phrase, I guess, is it? But you know what I mean. Not even sure they knew that they need saved, but saved they were. Because Huldah had not had the opportunity to tell them what was coming if they had not repented and turned around. We have opportunity, my friends, to circle up with people with believers, both here at New Hope and in the broader church in Portland, we have lots of opportunities to circle up, dedicated to hearing God and responding. Those are the kind of people we need to circle up with, those who are, they wanna hear from God, they want more of God, they wanna hear from God as community. When we do that, when we circle up and we respond, Like Josiah and Hilkiah and Huldah, we find hope and renewal for our communities as well. Israel got complacent at times. So much so, yes, that they lost 
the words. And they got complacent because they honestly thought that as God's people, God was not going to correct them. He was not going to, yeah, to ever correct them or punish them. Correction is not just an Old Testament concept. It's a New Testament concept as well. And grace and correction are always part of love and kindness. Listen to Hebrews 12, 5, and 6. And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. God brings us to repentance, sometimes through correction and sometimes through the words of others. And repentance, full circle, always brings God's hope and renewal. When we circle up with God and with others, God's mercy, point three, moves us to offer invitation to others to circle up with us. In other words, the circle just grows and grows and grows. 29 and 30. Then the king called together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. He went up to the temple of the Lord with the people of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests and the Levites, all the people from the least to the greatest. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant. I've read so much scripture this morning, you think I'm going to try to read the whole book to you this morning probably. (laughs) But there are times we need to delve back in and read these stories and read from the scripture. And that's what uh, Josiah reads the whole book of the law to everyone. And he led them in repentance and renewal that day. And the people responded. And they joined Josiah in renewing their resolve, their commitment to walk with God. Verse 33, this is just the last one out of this chapter we'll look at. Josiah removed all the detestable idols from all the territory belonging to the Israelites, and he had all who were present in Israel serve the Lord their God. As long as he lived, they did not fail to follow the Lord, the Lord God of their ancestors. So they kept their word, and God kept his word, and God always does, and we often don't. <laughs> but here's our path, and here's our promise. First John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us all from unrighteousness. Some of you are maybe starting to chomp at the bit a little bit this morning, wanting me to say these next, this next thing. We live under a new covenant. We do. We no longer live under the, the covenant of the Old Testament where we had to follow all the rules of the book of the law. As Eugene Peterson says, Jesus pulled on flesh and he moved into our neighborhood and he walked our walk, and then he died. He lived a sinless life. He died a sacrificial death, and he rose again that all of us might live under that new covenant, experiencing 
new life. And today, anyone who responds with a humble heart, believing that Jesus is the Son of God who he said he is, who paid a penalty for our sin, receives the gift of salvation and transformation. So that's the first connection we need. We can't live in faith if we don't have the connection to Jesus. And then we have the connection to community. I want you to leave here today knowing that you know that you know that we all need Hilkiah's and Huldah's. The New Testament primarily was written to communities, not to individuals. And yet we so read in the West the Bible from a very individualistic um, way of reading it, but we're unable to function that way. God just made it that way. He said, I know (laughs) y'all, you're gonna wanna do this on your own and everything's gonna fall apart, but I'm not gonna let that happen. I'm gonna make sure that you have to be connected to me and you have to be connected to each other. The body of Christ functions only as a whole. Every single part need it. You're not the whole. I'm not the whole. John's not the whole. We need every one of us participating. Hilkiah's and Huldah's are gifts in our life from God. God has been preparing them just like he'd prepared Hilkiah and prepared Huldah to speak to Josiah. God's got people he's prepared to speak into your life and to speak into my life. Priestly people who point us in the right direction. There are pastors and spiritual directors. There are life group leaders and team leaders and godly friends. And the prophets People who speak truth to us even when it's hard to hear. I'm going to tell you, we're not all called to be prophets. We're all priests. The, uh, Hebrews says that is where we're all priests. But be careful, unless you're called to be a prophet. But then speak, definitely speak. But you uh, prophets speak truth regardless of someone's position or power. And they call the community to obedience to flourishing through God's words. And the church, God's plan A, and as John likes to say, there is no plan B. We are called to circle up, be the body, in order to fulfill God's purpose on the earth. On the earth as it is in heaven. So this week, it may be an eight-year-old It may be a 20-something or a retired grandmother that God is going to speak to you from. Don't discount them. Don't dismiss them. But listen. Listen for God's word. Circle up with people. As we move to closing this morning, I wanna give some action steps today for us to be able to grab a hold of this message and pull it into our lives. Because people, if you're just here, if you're listening to this and it's gone the minute you walk out the door, that's autopilot, right? So let's help each other not live out faith autopilot. Here's, Here's three ways that we can pull this message from God's word into our life, repent. 
Is the Holy Spirit nudging you in something? Is there some attitude that you're nursing? Someone you're not forgiving? Ways that you're spending your time? Is there something the Holy Spirit's speaking to you about this morning? If so, repent, repent. And friend, I gotta tell you this, I want you to know that repentance is always the path to life and flourishing. It is never the path to shame. Jesus does not shame us. Jesus walks a repentant heart to hope and renewal every time. Request help. So we've got the repentance, then we're gonna request help immediately so we can't talk ourselves out of it. Ask God for help. Who can I talk to about this? God's gonna bring priests and prophets to help us. And I would say this right now, today's your last day. Uh, We're signing people up for groups, life groups, rooted, men's Bible study, women's Bible study. We're signing up for, uh, maybe you're more action-oriented like Josiah, and you wanna maybe sign up for one of our justice ministries, neighbor to neighbor, that goes out in the community and helps serve together. Clackamas Service Center, these are your opportunities. They're good places. I know that there are others, but these are good places to find your people to circle up with. They're good opportunities to find your priests and your prophets. The third way to bring this message home is to renew your own commitment to the body of Christ. If you're a believer, we're incomplete when you're not here. Your voice is needed. Your gift set is needed. Your presence is needed. It's just the way God made us. The church may be limping along in ways we don't even know, just like Israel didn't know. We may be limping along because there's a muscle, leg muscle missing from our community. Or there's a tendon that's not here working and pulling its job. So I'm gonna ask you, would you renew this morning, this day, your commitment to be the important part of the God's body, Christ's body, that you are? Plug in, plug in, we need you. So as you consider these three steps, repent, request help, and renew commitment, would you be brave this morning and actually physically circle up with a few people? 